0: Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Jesus withdrew with His disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all He was doing, many people came to Him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, He told His disciples to have a small boat ready for Him, to keep the people from crowding Him. For He had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch Him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Who is God? Who is he? The church has presented God to the world in some quite strange ways. And one of those ways is that God is ultimately this totalitarian dictator who wants to micromanage the lives and decisions of every individual on earth and wants nothing more than to be told how great he is, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, and once time is done away with, every moment, all the time. The question that we have to ask is, is that the God revealed to us in Jesus? Is it? So let's look at this passage and see why I'm going there, why I'm beginning there. Chapter 3 verses 7 through 12. There are basically three pieces to this story. Normally I would just do our three points and I would flesh them all out, but I'm just going to give them to you all up front and then we're going to move on to deeper fare. First, what we find here is that Jesus' popularity was swelling. So we've already had a couple of conflict stories where Jesus is running into uh, conflicts with the Jewish leadership over the Sabbath, over fasting, over his interpretation of the law. And so he's not so popular with Jewish leadership, with the Pharisees, with the renewal movement, in Israel. They, they don't like him very much. In fact, we've already been told in the la- at the end of the last passage, this is in verse, uh, well, you'll have to find it, It's about the, I think it's in verse 6, we find out that they are trying to kill him. So he's not exactly popular with those in power. But for the average person, Jesus is phenomenally popular. And why? He heals their sicknesses. You would think that if God was all about the glory, if he was all about himself, if he created primarily for his own self-interest, that Jesus would bankroll this popularity into something that would become monumental and incredible and huge. But in this passage, he doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he starts to take steps not to do that. But but we'll get to that in a minute. Jesus' popularity was swelling. So we hear that people are coming to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, that's the area of the Edomites where King Herod is from, and the regions across the Jordan, so we're going to Gentile territory, and Tyre and Sidon, which is along the coast. So pretty much people from the entire region, all around Palestine, within earshot of Jesus, are coming to see him. He is profoundly popular. But he says something to his disciples. He says, the next time I preach, I need a boat. Did you catch that? Why did he want a boat? Well, his popularity was swelling. His power is evident. He's casting out demons. He's healing diseases. But something Jesus wants to do is get away from the people. Do you notice? He needs to make space for what he's here for. And he's not here to heal. He's here to teach. But the people are not coming to him to be taught... They're not coming to Him to hear truth. They're not coming to Him to be challenged. They're not coming to Him to be exposed for who they are and called into the new life that God... They're coming to Him to get their colds healed, to get their arms healed, to get their cancers healed. That's why they're coming to Him. And so Jesus, in order to create space for the teaching, He has to get on a boat and put it out into the water so they cannot touch Him. So three things that are happening in this passage. Jesus' popularity was swelling. His power was ever-increasing and profoundly evident. But he was physically withdrawing from the people. This picture we have of Jesus, who he never said no to anybody. If anybody needed anything, he always answered the request. He healed anybody who asked. That picture is denied here in Mark. He actually puts himself physically distant from them so they can't touch him and so they cannot be healed. Why would he do that? Well, if God wanted slaves, we would have expected God to have conquered the powerful, to show his power. We would have expected God to be more tangibly present, actively involved in the lives of everything that was happening in this world, whether personally himself or through his own agents. And we would expect God's chosen people, the people of Israel, to have been the most powerful and prosperous people on earth, subjugating the rest of the world, forcing them with an iron fist under the subjugation of God's law. And we would expect him to have set up camp right here on earth and make sure that you all obey, right? I mean, if, if he wanted slaves, there were profoundly better ways to do it than God has decided to do it. Jesus' behavior, and God's behavior really throughout the Bible, actually seems to resist our complete and utter dependence on him. When God gives the law to Israel in Mount Sinai, this is Exodus chapter 20 when it first happens, he gives them the law, he assigns Moses as a leader, Moses then begins to spread the leadership responsibilities among some elders in the community, and then God sort of withdraws and lets Israel run things why does he hand over that power why doesn't he continue to run it himself i mean he had the pillar of smoke you would think he could just tell him what to do but he doesn't do that something similar is happening here with Jesus where he withdraws physically from the people and he begins to teach them and do you notice what happens in verse 13 we didn't read it but it's the very next section Jesus after this goes up on a mountainside and he calls to him those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 designating them apostles Jesus is about to separate himself even further from his people first by putting himself on a boat so they can't touch him and then by setting up apostles to be his representative teachers among them, which distances him further from them. This is a strange way to be a dictator. And even more, is it perplexing to you that you can't turn to a book in your Bible that was written by Jesus himself? We have a God who gives law and then withdraws. We have a God throughout the history of Israel who withdraws to such an extent that He lets them live in sin constantly and consistently throughout their lives. And He only arrives on occasion to discipline them, to hedge them in, and finally to show judgment to them. But the Israelite people constantly struggle. You can read it through the Psalms. Psalm 46 is one in which this happens. Where they struggle with the reality that God is not always present with them the way they wish that He was. They struggle constantly with His absence. God seems to be intense at moments in human history and then completely distant in others. We know He's here, but we don't feel His presence. You've probably felt this in your own life as well. And even in Jesus' ministry, that same pattern is repeated. Jesus is there, immediate, people touch Him, He heals them. Everybody who comes to Him, He heals early on. But then He begins again to do what God has always done in the history of the world. He begins to create distance between Himself and the people. Why? Why? I think Jesus is resisting our complete and utter dependence on Him. He created distance. He's helping them to grow up. He's giving them the instructions they need to make the choices they need to make. But they, want, they don't want the teachings. They don't want the instructions. They just want Him to make the choices. God's intention in creation was to create a being in His own image. He was not set out, according to our own scriptures in Genesis, to create slaves. He wants us to be like Him. He wants humans to rule at all. He wants to bring them to where He is. He wants to marry them to His Son, all the images that we have in the scriptures. He is not looking for slaves. And Jesus is frustrating to people who want to be slaves And he's frustrating to people who don't want anyone else telling them what's best for their lives. That's true. I mean, he's frustrating for both of those. But in the end, the distance that Jesus creates, this is just the beginning. This is going to be a theme throughout Mark. He is going to increasingly distance himself. And then he is going to die on a cross, which is a pretty big distance he places between us. And then when he rises from the dead, you would think the next thing he would do is set up a kingdom of God on earth, right? I mean, he's come back from the dead. He's demonstrated his power. He's shown us that he's God. He's going to set up a kingdom, and here we're going to go. And that's what the disciples thought would happen. But then he left. He ascended to heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit, but he ascended to heaven. And to this day, 2,000 years later, he is still not returned. What does that pattern tell us about what he wants of us? We are not deists. We don't believe that God just kind of throws a couple of laws out there, retreats into the heavens and just says, let's see what you're going to do with it. He's much more involved than that. We see it all the way through. Even if we can't see him, even if we don't discern his presence, God is working in our world constantly. His angels are here, his Holy Spirit has been sent out on the church, and God's power is at work in the world. But he keeps it sort of hidden away because he wants you to grow up. He's there for us. He loves us. He intends good things for us. And He's working in our lives. But it seems to me that Jesus increasingly tries to say, I want to give you the tools to live a life worthy of your creation. And at some point, you've got to accept the fact that I'm going to put you behind the wheel of the car. At some point, you're going to have to take responsibility And you can, because He has shown you how, and He's there for you. But He's not going to do it all for you. God's relationship with us has been complicated. And so what I want you to see in that picture of Jesus setting up a boat, distancing Himself physically from the people, and teaching them and refusing to heal, I hope you will see the hope He has for you. that you can take responsibility for your life and choices by taking into your heart the teachings and example of Jesus and making your day-to-day decisions always with Him in mind, but not always at His specific command. When we move from merely obedient soldiers who do what we're told to people who have so incarnated the values of Jesus that we choose to do without the need for the command, what is good in God's eyes, we have matured. He sets us free to obey out of the spontaneous decision-making of our hearts, not simply as soldiers doing what we're told. He got on a boat and he separated himself and he refused to heal and he forced them to have to listen to him. Sometimes by God refusing to heal us, refusing to meet all of our little needs, what he forces us to do is to actually pay attention to what he has said. When God gives you the law and withdraws, he's expecting something of you. When he gives you the teachings of Jesus and he withdraws, he's expecting something of us. He wants us to grow up into beings made in his image. And what a future that is. Can you imagine it? Trusted to live in the very presence of God. Trusted with the administration of the universe, which is what he says in Hebrews, over even the angels. Can you imagine the future he has for us? But we must grow up To achieve it. To be people who are greater than the sum of our parts through the Holy Spirit of God. That's the great hope of the Gospel. And so maybe you'll take God's refusal to answer your prayers at some times in your life as His insistence that it's time to grow up. Maybe He doesn't want to tell you what He would want to do because He's very interested in what you want to do. I hope that you'll take the challenge of Jesus' distance and his creating space that you could hear his teachings and separate himself from your list of demands and needs long enough that you might be able to catch a picture of who you can be if you stop asking and start doing.